Bi Plus, podcasting for the Bi Plus universe. I'm Elizabeth Meacham. Joining me today is Julianne Brudek, director and creator of the film Disarm Hate, currently available for streaming on Vudu and where else? Amazon, Comcast, and uh, Cox. We've got Fandango, Google Play, Microsoft Store. That's about it. All right. That's a lot, actually. So, um, Welcome, Juliana. And could you yes. provide a brief introduction? Hi, I'm Juliana Brudek. Um, I am a writer-director. Um, I went to film school. I uh, have been a lesbian since I was about, an out lesbian since I was about 16 years old. And I'm happy to be here this morning. Cool. Me too. I'm happy to have you here. Um, so this is a movie about um, an activist group. Do you know, can you tell us a bit about that group, Disarm Hate, and what they Absolutely. do? Absolutely. So there was a gentleman, his name is Jason Hayes, and after the Pulse shooting in Orlando, he was seeing that nobody was acting, not HRC, not GLAD, no one was putting together any movements, events, vigils that he knew of in his area, by the way, he was near the DC area, and he decided to put together a national rally for gun uh, equal rights for LGBTQs and uh, sensible gun reform. Well, I was devastated after Pulse and I found him online when I was searching night after night, I couldn't sleep. And when I found him, I put together a group of nine activists from Los Angeles and we traveled from Los Angeles to DC to support that rally. Um, the nine that I chose are a mixture of beautiful, vibrant, wise people, ranging from uh, two bisexuals, a man and a woman, two trans women, um, one uh, is Latinx, the other is black. Um, we have three gay men, uh, two lesbian women, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> Tell us about the process you went through in choosing how did you did you you were checking boxes or how did you go through about did they just show up how did you go through choosing oh my god that's such a good question well when i first thought of going to this rally first of all i didn't think i was going to film it i thought i would just be a participant um, i was goosed with the spirit after pulse i thought this was an attack on our community I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't think I was going to film it, and I didn't think I was going to take anyone with me. I was just ready to get in the car and go help. Um, and then I started thinking about what I could offer, what I could bring to the table. I'm a filmmaker by trade, so I was like, okay, I'll get a crew together. And then I thought, well, this is boring, just watching me and this crew go to this rally. I mean, that's not something I think anyone wants to see. Um, and then... I thought, what if I got members of the LGBT community? And that's where I started connecting the dots. Who would be exciting to watch? Um, and then I started researching people. I was a casting director and a casting agent uh, for the studios for a long time. And I started looking through headshots. I started looking through um, my Facebook. I started asking friends. And I compiled a list of people that were active in our community. Uh, and I selected them, I put them on a pile on the floor, and I reached out to the first group of about 10 or 12 people, thinking that maybe one person would get back to me. Well, I think eight got back to me and said they wanted to do it, and I took that eight, and then a friend of mine reached out, a bisexual man named Asher. He said, please, Jules, don't, don't leave without me. And I couldn't refuse. This is a friend of mine I've had for years, and um, he came with, he was the ninth member, and all of these people, when we got together for the first meeting, they just came alive. Their chemistry was fantastic. I didn't have to say to anyone, you know, I don't want to take you. I didn't have to, I mean, it was like, it, it was a kismet. So I particularly, of course, um, enjoyed that you uh, invited the bi people along. Um, because those of us in the middle, you know, the non-binaries, the bi people, the non, you know, 
not A or B, you know, we get, we get kind of sidelined a lot within our own community. However, you did not make this a token thing. You didn't just have the bi people along. You covered the issues regarding both bi and trans people within the community very well, I thought, in this movie. The discussion about what bi is and what trans is, what trans people need and how to listen to one another. Did that happen naturally? Was it just a conversation that started and you caught it or did you give some sort of direction to them or how did that happen? Well, there were tensions that arose on the bus and I think that's due partially to their intimate um, conditions. They were basically smashed together so I think things that would normally come out over a longer period of time were brought to the forefront. So these issues or these, I, want, I don't want to say because it's like the tensions, it started to build. Like you could feel the way some people spoke about bisexuals that mm-hmm. I didn't capture the buildup. Yeah. But it was the language that was used was oppressive by members and one of them pulled me aside and said I don't like the way I feel I'm being um, viewed or I don't like I feel microaggressions coming at me yeah yeah and I I told uh, Rachel her to address it Mm -hmm. I said you know, this is a great opportunity for all of us to learn. Um, and it came out really naturally and organically, and I happened to be there to film it. So, like I said, I think it's one of those things that it, it wasn't manipulated. It was all organic, but I think it was accelerated due to the fact that we were in these harsh filming yeah. traveling conditions. I really enjoyed that conversation. It really kind of exposed our world to each other. You know, we want to pretend like, oh, it's a big, big rainbow community. And it's not clearly in any community, there's dissent anyhow, but um, we don't talk about it as often as we should. And then when we do talk about it, there's a lot of dismissiveness from the other letters. It's very interesting. And I really loved the way you covered that. And it, it was the same with the gun issue. Everything you did in this film, it's, it seems organic, but intentionally you tried to cover all sides of the issue. What's happening right now with the divisive language is that we miss the opportunity to meet people halfway. That's not a very likable stance these days. Like, no, it's not. Yeah, reaching across the aisle is something that people view as weak or we're not going to get somewhere. However, I have always been a firm believer that there are intersections and we can, if we find them, it's like examining a building for the weak points of the structure so we can put a buttress or we can, mm-hmm. you know, uh, solidify that foundation. It's the same thing. It's like you go in, you have to examine a problem, you look for the weaknesses. Well, this isn't a weakness in, in regards to intersection, but this is our strength, how we can find the talking points. And that's what I learned on the road to disarm hate. I was really, really surprised by the things that I didn't know about my own community and how I felt about guns. Like, mm-hmm. I really didn't know. I think part of what you're seeing is the fact that um, I approached it like a, a person trying to just learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do that. It's so funny to me because as we see sexuality and gender becoming more of, a, you know, inclusive and in between those in-between spaces, the rest of the world seems is still black and white about a lot or getting more black and white about a lot of issues, but which is good for us, but not so good for any other issue. Um, but you really went into those intersections and uh, I thought it was great. Um, well, Elizabeth, I want to tell you something. Sure. When I'm done with a rough cut, it wasn't, it wasn't almost done, but it was like in the stages where I was getting close to putting together a rough cut with the editor. And I brought a couple of gay men to the house that worked in the industry as editors. 
Um, they took a look at the film, they sat with me, and they both were like, get the bisexual crap out of there. <laughs> really? Wow. And I remember I felt so disheartened. Wow. And they were like, it just, it goes down a path you don't want to go yeah. down. And I'm telling you, Elizabeth, that made me so angry because yeah. I felt like that was one of the most interesting things that the movie portrays. Yeah. These relationships, like there is this idea that bisexual people are mentally ill or unstable. Yeah, definitely. And in order to get to the heart of that, we have to explore it. Like I, I've never seen a group of people within our own community labeled uh, with terms that would de denote mental instability. Yeah. And I feel like when somebody is labeled that or the prejudices of that, it's, it's hard to break free from. And that's what bisexual people in our community are constantly facing. Yes, absolutely. Right. So yeah. when they sat down, I thought, well, this is, I got to keep this part now. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm really going to stick by it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it is interesting. You know, it's, it's generational too. Like my kids at their school, my, my daughter goes, oh, there's tons of bisexuals. Like when I was a kid, I hadn't even heard the word. Um, not when I was her age, you know, um, there was no word for me. And now they have this word in this language, but people my age, I still encounter a lot of, um, like you said, prejudices from people my own age. So I'm hoping things are getting better. Um, definitely, at least they're able to be out. But yeah, thank you for doing that. Thank you for sticking up for us. And it's it's weird for me to, to be here in Kansas, and I can see that coming in Kansas, but then when you think about California, we all just assume you're all a way more hip about that stuff out there. Clearly not. That's, a, that's the biggest takeaway is that we're really not hip. Like yes. every oppressed group of people seem to have their struggles. And with bisexuals, we need to use them in the community. And I don't mean use them, exploit them, but yes. some of the bisexuals I've encountered here in Los Angeles, when I worked in uh, Chicago, when I lived in, in, in Detroit, they have been the most fiercest activists. Um, they have, and, and maybe partially because they don't feel 100% accepted. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we're still fighting, you know. We're still yes. in that activist mode. Right. And, it, and it's like, we've got to look at what they've done. They have, a lot of them have utilized that, uh, erasure that uh, that feeling of distance or you know un, I'm trying to think of the right word I think it's inclusion to not be included mm -hmm. to propel our community forward yeah so it's something we have to value and also because of this movie is disarm hate I focus primarily on the violence that LGBTQ people face. And I know that bisexuals have a higher incidence of violence by their intimate partners yeah. than anyone else. It's used uh, against us. And I've seen that in relationships where they threaten you. Um, thankfully, not mine. Um, I was out before I met my husband. Um, and my husband's not like that anyway. I wouldn't have married him. <laughs> Just me. Anyway, you know, it's used against them. Well, you know, if you leave me, I'm taking the kids. All I have to do is say you're bisexual and everybody will know. And the kids, will, yeah, I'll easily get custody, that sort of thing. It's, it's just something else abusive people can use to manipulate that person. Um, and, you know, it's a big something else. It's, it, it's one more, you know, it's just a huge thing and it's a fear. Um, and I've lived in places where I can't be out because I was afraid I'd lose my children. So um, where it, it's just a different, I, I guess it's just different, but it's, it's you, when you have to be in the closet because you fear that all those uh, mental health issues do come in play. We're not bisexual because of that. It's, we're that way because of the way people treat bisexuals.
Does that make sense? Oh, no, I'm getting you 100% loud and clear. Absolutely, Elizabeth. Yeah. And so any privilege that I get from being able to be out in public with my husband um, is negated by having to be in the closet in, in some circles, even still. And it's just like when you're a closeted lesbian or a gay man, you are afraid somebody sees through it. You're, you're just constantly living in that fear that somebody sees that part of you and you can't share it in a good way on top of that. So it's, it's just a horrible way to live. Well, those type of attitudes that are common really destroy the, I think, the, the self-esteem and the, um, the way that we have relationships within the community and bisexuals have always been here. And the, the, the erasure is what really worries me because it has to do with a personal, like, like the movie, and I don't want to give too much away, but yeah. it seems like people come from this place of being hurt by a bisexual. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And yeah, that probably hurt, been hurt by lesbians too. You know, yeah. I mean, if you've had relationships with people, you don't usually get out of them unscathed, you know, with anybody. And yeah, and this is a great opportunity for us to lift each other up because yeah. you may not understand it, but you don't have to. Yeah. And that's the thing is that I, I never discount that I may not understand something, but I seek to understand. And, and I, what's prevalent, though, is the violence and the yeah. violence against members of our own community. We, the marginalized members of our community, that's really, we've really got to take a big look. Um, because that's going to truly set us free. That's going to liberate yeah. our entire community. It seems like bisexuals have been scapegoated. Black trans women have been scapegoated. Yes, yes. We've got to figure out a way to lift us all up. So, yeah, yeah because we carry each other. Um, you know, I've heard so many different discussions and arguments about, well, maybe we shouldn't all be lumped together. Maybe, you know, it that people who don't identify as queer shouldn't be a part of the equation. Like trans women don't identify as lesbian or gay. Why are we in this LGBTQ sandwich? Um, all yeah. these different things, but I think we're, we're stronger together. Yeah. You know what? Without the trans people, uh, especially trans women it, throughout history have been the biggest force in LGBT civil rights and, and moving forward. They're the ones who, you know, were standing up at, at um, Stonewall, you know? It's like, you cannot have the L and G and B without the T because the T was there. They're the frontline activists. They were, um, they're the fighters. Um, don't, don't leave out the T. Wow, you're really having a good conversation. <laughs> We should probably talk about the movie. <laughs> oh, I'm loving this. Are you yeah. kidding? Good. But, um, yeah, so when you were talking about um, the other side of the issue, like with the Pink Pistols people, did you just, you just contacted them and they were willing and to talk about it after you t introduced yourself and told them what you were doing? Or how did that go? Well, before I got on the road, so I realized I like bit off this, entirely big piece i'm like i got these people and i've got this idea and we're gonna go to dc now what and i literally i sat in my office and i was like oh god what have i done so i put together an itinerary because i mean with the money that i now had to raise i was like what can we do on the road you know mm -hmm. what can we have and you know I way overshot the mark I did not know the RV was going to go you know as slow as a snail on the yeah. So yeah we ended up not hitting all of our stops and um but I, I was very ambitious um but the point was is that I sat in my office and I just started calling people that I would want to understand or know about so I started making these cold calls to like pink pistols to there was a group that I contacted called Gays with Guns who started a conversation with me and then they were a pro-gun group and the um, leader of it just 
after he talked to me for hours, I started getting excited to meet him. He was going to do some safety classes with us while we were at the gun range. And he shut me down and was like, no, you're not going to do this to us. You're not going to Diane Sawyer us. And then he started, him and his group started sending me all this really angry, not hate mail, but like they were just really upset that I was going to portray them in a bad light. And I kept insisting, please just see, I'm going to show you a rough cut. Anyway, that's not to go off on a tangent, but I ended up vetting these people through conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so many of them were excited, like Allie from Pink Pistols Pittsburgh. She was just so interested in getting the message out. Yeah. And that's the gal on the show, right? Yeah. That was- that's the woman in the pink dress. Yes. Yes. Oh. And she was newly transitioning. Um, she was like, um, and very unsure of how she would be portrayed. Yeah. But I talked to her and, and I showed her things and she, she was just wonderful. Oh yeah. She seemed like a very happy person on the, you know, like just kind of everybody's mommy. You know, <laughs> just, I just, she just oozed love. I love that about her. You know, she was just willing to show you guys and, and you guys treated each other with respect and, and kindness. And, but she, she looked like she would just jump on your RV with you. <laughs> you know? We wanted her to. I mean, oh, yeah. we were stranded out there. Someone had left the light on or the car on. and We lost all uh, battery power. So I had to go like two hours out of our way to Walmart and get jumper cables. And she helped us. Yeah. But if she weren't there, we'd be stranded in the middle of the Appalachian forest. Oh, fun. That's not a bad place to be stranded, necessarily. <laughs> could be worse. It could be the desert. We had to get home and we were like, it was getting dark and all of us were like, oh God, I don't want to be stranded here without a working RV. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, Did you guys get, just curious, did you get a chance to fire an AR-14 or 15 while you were doing this film? No, we did not. They, at LAX shooting range, they gave us many options. Mm I think if we would have asked, they would have allowed us to use it, but they just kind of gave us a kit and we, we chose which guns out of the ones they selected that we would use. Mm-hmm. So everyone chose, I think there was three different handguns that they gave us, like a Glock, um, a pistol. But I think if I had asked, we could have shot the AR-15. I was kind of scared of them. I don't like them. <laughs> Sorry. I think they're horrible. One of the uncles took us out to this, they call it the lease, a, pe- a kind of like a patch of woods where you were in Pittsburgh. And he had an AR-14 and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll try it. I didn't like it. It's, it's got a lot of recoil. It's plastic. So it's like anything that's plastic, like the Glock, you probably noticed had a lot of recoil. It jumps back at you. I, I couldn't understand the purpose behind this thing. You know, what's the point? I could, if it were, a self-defense situation, I could use something else better than I can use this. I'd hit everything but the target with this thing, but I just didn't get the thrill. Um, but it was, it, I was just kind of wondering, because it's interesting to me how that's become the gun of choice for so many shooters. And I think it must be, it, they're incredibly expensive. They're not cheap. Um, it must be status because they're, I don't know, I don't, I don't even want to think about the thought processes going into killing people or anything, but um, it just adds to that attention, you know, that these people are going in and shooting up places with this AR-15. It's, it must be for the notoriety because I, I can't see any other reason. I think that's the point is that yeah. nobody wants to take away your Second Amendment right. Exactly. I mean, I certainly don't. I am not going to go up that hill you know exactly that's like it's not no win yeah, yeah it's not doable so how do you get to the middle ground i think that's why i like this film is it was more middle ground about how do we talk to people about hey first off yeah you're right things do need to be enforced um people need to be taught proper ownership they used to be they you know back you guys uh, also i think your film showed the beginning Maybe it was yours, maybe not. The beginning of the NRA was just, a, it was started by Union soldiers as a 
sporting institution. It may not have been your film. I can't remember now, but no, it's not. I, I yeah. don't. I don't cover the history of the NRA. I went yeah. to the NRA, um, and they. <laughs> I I got out of the car. I was with one another crew member, yeah. and they shut me down so fast. It's so different from how they started, isn't it? It's just a different group entirely. They're they're message has changed over the years over the past hundred how many ever years um it's not the same at all and they hold on to that history but it's not it's not the same um it's manipulative and uh cold well, that's the, yeah that's the division politics that we started this chat with that i think people they'll latch on to the extreme to really basically say screw you to anyone that's against it and yeah. so it creates further division but that's a tactic that's been used I mean, these last four years, before, it's like the extremes on both sides. Yeah. They want to push buttons. Yeah. And that's, it is effective just riling people up in distraction instead yes. of, you know, getting to some kind of solution. These are not solution-based. No. You know, no. Nobody wants to, listen, if we're going to get anywhere, the people who are reasonable know that you cannot take people's guns away tomorrow. That's yeah, not... It's not happening. Right. Yeah, especially since, like, like I said, most of us own grandpa's gun. You know, I'm not going to give up grandpa's gun. <laughs> you know, it's just... No, you've been in the family for 500 years or whatever. I don't know. But, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. People, there's other reasons why people own guns besides self-defense or sporting even. It's just some of them are family, family heirlooms and, um, you know... Um, there's all these attachments, all these reasons, and it's more than just what's out there and what the NRA says or the anybody else says on the other side. I, that's why I like this film. Just Pink Pistols is a nice group, and that they I was so happy that they were willing to talk to you. Um, and it does their position does come from self defense, but at the same time, it's still showing um, that other side. They're willing to talk about it which I don't think the NRA, like you said, that they shut you down. Clearly, clearly. Oh my God, Elizabeth, I pulled up in my, uh, I, we had like an SUV and I pulled up, I had, by the way, been emailing them. So I got home and I went back out because they didn't respond to me before I got on the road. I had called, I had emailed, just very politely that I'd love to talk to somebody, a member of their press, uh, mm -hmm. Like a, like a correspondent for the press or the media and nothing, nothing, nothing. So I came home and we edited the film and it was already a year had passed and I kept emailing all through that year. Finally, I just got in an SUV. I had to go do some stuff um, in the East and I just pulled up to their headquarters and I got out and just started filming and I made it to about the door and there were three black cars surrounding me. That's creepy. Yep, guys got out and they're like, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? And I just kept rolling the camera. And I was like, I want to go inside and talk to somebody. I haven't gotten any responses. I'm a filmmaker. I need, in order for this movie to be well-rounded, I need a quote from yeah. you know, you're someone here. We need this. And they just said, stop rolling the film, ma'am. Stop rolling the film, ma'am. I dropped the camera. It was, it was you know, looking at the graph and I just continued to talk to them and they just basically chased me back to my SUV. But I just felt like, I just want you to know that that was just, it could have, I got no response, yeah. no email, not even a, you know, screw you. Yeah. You're not doing this. I mean, I, nothing. I just wanted something. I just wanted to understand. And, and they really aren't the, the group that you said that they started as. Mm -hmm. so, They're really not. Yeah. yeah. There's some real... Uh, Even 20 years ago, I think you would have gotten a response. Even 20 years ago, you know, somebody would have been sent out to talk to you. Just now everything is so vitriolic everywhere, all the time. Um, and they've just entrenched themselves in this position that doesn't even make sense. You know, it's certainly not in the spirit of their founders. Definitely. One, one segment that didn't end up in the film was this man, Jeff Stanford, who uh, runs a gun range in Texas. I went down there and he was talking to me about when polls happened, he gave 
LGBTQ's free gun lessons and membership. It would probably mm -hmm. equal about six, $700 worth of free yeah. um, exposure to his range, family-owned range. And I went there and talked with him, and it was a really interesting, like, premise. Um, but when I talked to other members of my team, they were like, that's somebody taking advantage of a weak moment for our community and capitalizing yeah. on that. But a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think that. They would say, you know what, this is a good time to be armed. This is a good time to learn about safety. You know, I'm very, I'm positive yeah. that there are good things to take away from all of these groups. We have to have these conversations. They're uncomfortable. I remember the editor was watching my film and she was looking at me going, this film is so uncomfortable. Yeah, I love that about it. Really? I loved it. Yes, I want to be made uncomfortable. I want to be made to think. I want to be, you know, because you got people uncomfortable, but then you had the conversation. So it wasn't just a one-sided thing. That's what I, I just loved this film. It is so well-rounded. You did such a great job. You know, you talked about um, people being opportunistic. And it's happened on both sides. I went right after that was the year I took my, my daughter came out as bisexual. So I'm like, oh, let's go be bisexual up in Omaha. You know, the <laughs> only pride parade happening in our area at the time. Or at least I had just missed the Kansas City one or something. But we go wait to... A wait a minute, quick question. How sure. far is the Omaha parade from you? About two hours. Okay, so you were going to make like a trek to Omaha. That's so cool. Yeah, we did. We stayed overnight though because it was fun. But yeah, we went up there and we had a, had a good time together. But, you know, we're sitting um, at the parade, which is in Sioux Falls, across the border of, in Sioux Falls, I think that's Iowa. And then uh, right next to it is Omaha, Nebraska. So it's a border towns. Anyway, so we went to the Sioux Falls parade part. And at the end of the parade, and I'm sitting next to two women and their kids, and they were getting upset because there was a group of, uh, I don't remember which group, but gun abolitionists, uh, you know, had signs, get rid of guns and all that, but they owned, owned rifles and they were very upset about that. And I go, well, do you feel like they're taking advantage? Because, oh yeah, they're definitely taking advantage. It was just, maybe it was part that we just didn't really need to have that shoved in our face at the time either. But um, following them, was a contingent from the FBI. Wow. Yeah, so I'm like, wow, this is an interesting parade, you know, like the FBI, you know, trying to show support to the, the LGBTQ community, I guess, I don't know. Or it was just such an odd message in both of those groups right next to each other, just, you know, in a place like Sioux Falls in Omaha. I think it's Sioux Falls, by the way. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, fascinating. I can yeah. picture it. Yeah, where people do own, even in the LGBTQ community, where people do uh, own um, guns and rifles. Um, and then the FBI, which is so many bad connotations, doesn't it? I mean, that's like the worst. <laughs> well, that's what I don't understand about a lot of pride parades, is that they have these law enforcement agencies and full regalia in yeah. mass. And yeah. the pride parade was our response to police brutality. Yeah. So I understand that a lot of communities feel like they have to partner with the police in order to have safer events. But I feel like we've really handed a lot of our personal freedom over to this law, these law enforcement agencies. Yes. I, I find it to be problematic. And I feel like what's happening in the world right now is we're, we're going to come up with some understanding of how the police should really be. I mean, the, the point of all of this is hatred exists and there are bad people in every Definitely. group. Uh, yeah. We've got to vet them out. We've got to um, got to do sensitivity and compassion training. We've got to, 
help our, like I said in the beginning, our most marginalized people. Yeah, yeah. Because they're not protected, you know? I mean, they're not, they're exposed. And when members of our community are exposed, it's just like that quote, you know, well, we cannot be free while others are oppressed. Yeah. And that's another good point you're bringing that up too. Um, because so many of the, there is a se- there is a second side to the, um, another side to the gun rights, gun control debate. Um, many of the laws that are passed in favor of gun control, they target the black community over the white community. You know, yeah. they were part of the whole, uh, you know, continuation of police or legislative aggression towards the black community from the war on drugs, these, these fake things, the war on this. So anytime a black man would be picked up and he's uh, holding a gun, he's going to get more time than say a white guy, you know? Um, and it's, it's just like uh, the drug laws, you know, they may get picked up an equal amount of time, but the, the black kid's going to get prosecuted. But yep. So many of the laws are aimed towards the black community. And that's something nobody's talking about on either side. I mean, to me, if I were like big on um, gun rights, I would be all over that. Like, oh yeah, we can't have all these gun laws. It targets the black community or something. You know, they haven't even mentioned it. Gee, wonder why. Um, and well, then- I'm so glad you're bringing this up. I'm sitting here thinking like, yes, you're getting to the bot. This is the pit. Yeah. It's just how uh, it, it's, you have to be careful when crafting laws. And when we say common sense, I think there has to be more than common sense. I think there needs to be thought put into these so they're not targeting specific communities as they are now. Passing laws have to be crafted so that they can be equally applied. But we also have to, we have to undo a lot of stuff, a lot of prejudice that's already built into the system. So I'm, I'm not sure where we stand with this, but definitely more than common sense, but more than common sense, you know? And I wonder what that would look like. Like I do common sense and that has enraged so many people I've talked to when I say common sense, they're like, there's no common sense. Yeah. F-bomb, F-bomb, you yeah. know, there's no common sense gun reform or gun laws, you know? Yeah. And then there's another thing I have this disarm hate, page, which I hope everybody will come on to. I would love it. Um, but I get so much hate mail. And one guy wrote me just simply come take in all capital letters. Like that's not even what your film is about. Did he watch the film? I mean, that's not what the group was about. Um, you know, it's, I thought he was brilliant in his approach, uh, to, to, um, disarm hate. Remind me of the gentleman's name. Jason Hayes. He yes. is the national founder and organizer of yes. the rally. And he didn't go after guns. He's not interested in taking anybody's guns. He was interested in, you know, giving people the right to live without that fear um, of being shot. <laughs> you know, where did we, how did we get to this place where we're shooting everybody up? It's just yeah, but kind of break. Moderate politics are not in vogue right now. Like I said at the beginning, reaching across the aisle is considered boring. It's, it's, you know, everybody is up in arms. They want to be the extremes because they think that those extremes will get us somewhere. And, you know, I just watched that Miss America, you know, that doc, did you see that series? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it was such a fantastic series on Net, uh, Hulu. It was a limited series on Hulu about the ERA. Oh, that one that keeps getting advertised and I don't have Hulu because I'm, I'm a cheap bitch. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, I, I, if you end up getting it or whatever, I highly recommend it. It's about the, the ratification of ERA and, and all the women that were involved in trying to make that happen. And then obviously Phyllis Schlafly and her group who were against it. Yeah. But the women who fought, a lot of them had to go and, and, and to get things done, like Bella Abzug, she had to be not extreme. She had to kind of go down the center and, and, and you see it, it's not glamorous. It's pandering to certain groups and yeah. nobody, likes, nobody likes that. That's yeah, not, you're considered a sellout now, whereas, yeah. you know, even in the Reagan area, they tried to reach across the aisle. It was a, it was a friendly sort of situation. People really didn't hate each other. It just, and now it's like you're seen as a traitor. Um, 
Well, it's considered what? privilege. Yeah. It's considered privilege because like, oh, that must be nice that you don't have to worry about if you're going to be killed today. Like, yeah, you can just do like incremental steps towards yeah. a solution. Great, Juliana. Like, you know, good. Take your white privilege and go reach across the aisle, see how that works. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's again, you know, I feel like there are people that are, we're all working together. Some people are just trying to do it over here in smaller steps. Some people are taking big risks and extreme chances. And I think we all go toward the common goal. Yeah, yeah. You can find so much uh, BS in between the lines. You know what I mean? But if, yeah. you're all, if you're looking at how can we make this society great and how can we truly help our brothers and sisters, being a humanitarian should be what we all strive yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. I am pro-human. Yeah. The, the, the message is let's cut through it all. Let's yeah. get to what the systemic racism, the systemic hatred of people. Let's cut through it. I yeah, mean, that's where I wanted to see the film go for another hour. It was on the, you know, into the okay, this is, this is the kind of laws that we have. This is how they are enforced or aren't enforced. Um, you know, not only systemic racism, but problems within the actual computer systems where Oklahoma, for example, at one point, I lived down there for eight years before I lived here and then I lived on the West Coast. Before I've been around. Anyway, um, they weren't reporting these things to the federal level like they were supposed to. So they'd find some you know, somebody threatening somebody with a gun, and they're supposed to report that, um, and they never did. So they were just sitting at that, that mass reporting system that was supposed to happen. Well, it only happens if they get off their lazy butts and actually enter in the information and then hit send. And I don't know if it was they didn't know how to use a computer at the time, but they just weren't doing it. And so, yeah, there is, yes, there is some enforcement to be done, but they're also we need to get into the systemic stuff like racism and see, okay, let's, let's undo some of this bullshit that just has the cops hanging out um, at the, you know, black guy outside the black guy's house. Cause they know he's going to do something, you know, or whatever, but he's not, but um, that attitude, the, in the, the laws that protect white people over black people. So. Yeah. And I think what's really great about COVID and what's happened, I mean, when I say it's really great, I mean, what has happened is we've exposed a lot of what's happening in yeah. black and brown communities. How they're affected by COVID is so different. So yeah. I think that has led to, we can have policy change. We can really yeah. see and identify what's happening. I mean, when we shut the world down or shut America down because of the safe, you know, safe at home orders, we all had a, a, some type of these. Mm -hmm. I was able to see, and that's where we're going to find healing. That's yeah. where we're going to find the answers, is to sit in that dirty diaper. Yeah. Engage our past. Hopefully, we keep this going. This, this isn't just fashionable for the time, but we look at it and say, yeah, we did that. That really sucks. Let's undo this. Because it's not, it's not on them to do the work. They don't have the problem. They, they're getting hit with our problem of racism. It's, they didn't create it. We did. So how do we uncreate it? We did it to control. Yeah. Maybe finally people are just waking up to the idea that they have to educate themselves. And hey, we got the time. So um, lots of good stuff on, on the Netflix too. <laughs> so... Lots of, lots of good stuff out there. And YouTube. Like, I watch a ton of YouTube. Yeah. You know, there's so many great things, unproduced documentaries on there that I just love. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I bet, I bet that, yeah. I bet you're in heaven right now, having the time to catch up on all these cool things. There's some good independent stuff on Amazon, even. You know, oh, and then... Yeah. And then I'm in, well, I've been, like, my... And that's another... Um, I want to say downside of working on a documentary for the last four years, I feel like I've had my head in the sand because I've been just myopically focused on getting this documentary finished. So it's like, I've been working and I haven't had the opportunity that so many of my friends, peers, colleagues have to, you know, enjoy, to read, to watch. So 
So it's like I'm playing catch up now and it's strange. It's very yeah. strange to feel like I've like put pause four years ago and I literally pressed the play button and all the stuff in the movie is like relevant now is even weirder. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought this was going to be a time capsule and then yeah. all these people are writing me saying, how would you know four years ago that this stuff would be the topic of conversation? Yeah. I was like, I didn't. I thought it was just going to be a slice of life. I think you you've know? got the, you know, some people just, it's, you picked on something that just got worse, you know? <laughs> so terrible. When you pick to cover something, and you, it's not that you kn knew, it's just that it was an important topic nobody was covering, and it just got worse because nobody's covering it type deal, you think? Oh, God. I, I hate to even think that, but it's, yeah. it is. Um, yeah. that's, the editor was like, I hate to say this is more relevant today than it was when you shot it. She goes, this is awful. And we were both sitting there, we were like, that is the truth. I mean, you yeah. can't deny the truth, but that's sad that four years ago and now these things have come to light and it's even worse today. Yeah, because we just kind of ignored them, you know. I know there's plenty of white people that just, well, what happened? I thought racism was cured when Obama got elected. <laughs> He's just like, la, la, la. we stuck our fingers in our ears for the past yeah, few years. Absolutely not. Yeah. Th that, we're having the backlash now yeah. for Obama being the president. People were just harboring their anger. Yeah, and yeah, 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 exactly. Now they're unleashing those, those resentments. Yeah. Gay marriage, um, Obama, all these other things that were progressive, they yeah. just kind of held it inside, and now we're getting it bad. Yeah, yeah, and we were, and honestly, back then, I think we were looking at surface issues, not deep issues. Like, gay marriage is... is same-sex marriage is great. Big fan. But the employment issue was bigger by far. That's our income. Housing was bigger by far. Trans people, uh, bi people, gay people, lesbian people getting kicked out on the streets just for, you know, custody issues. Like, you know, like I said, that hit bi, bi people where we live. Um, so many things were bigger than the same-sex marriage. It's just what we could do at the time because it was, had gotten so, people had gotten so used to the idea that it didn't bother them as much as, you know, employment rights because, well, I want to be able to fire, fire that guy because he's bisexual. Um, you know, that's my right. It, and that's why, you know, when that, we peeled that back a little bit, all the stuff started bubbling up and we kind of just ignored it for a while. And the court had to step in, you know. I get it, I get it, but boy, it needed to happen a long time ago. Well, gay marriage is the frosting on a cake. Exactly, and the cake is like, just full of worms right now, you know, and we got to fix that. Right, but, we've got to protect people. We've got the housing you talk about, the homelessness, the 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 fear. Um, I did a I did a project dealing with homelessness on the LA streets, and I encountered so many uh, black and brown trans men and women that didn't have shelter, didn't have their needs met, that had been kicked out of their homes by parents, by their guardians. And when you see that face to face, you can't help but think, we've got to protect these people. And gay marriage, that's wonderful. But yeah, what about you know, homeless youth, you know? Yeah, I mean, but that is like the party after yeah. we get those fundamental rights it was what they were willing to give us. It was what they were willing to budge on. Ugh, we compromised too much on that, but anyway. Huh. Oh, yes. Um, so do you have any upcoming events? Well, I encourage everyone to follow us on Instagram, doc, the number two, disarm hate, doc two, disarm hate, same for Facebook. And Elizabeth, we had a premiere um, and some events scheduled pre-COVID, mm -hmm. and those were canceled. So we took this opportunity to put it on streaming so that people awesome. have to, yeah. So we don't have any events. We're looking at a couple, but I think it will be affected by if oh, LA yeah. opens up. So we're going to be doing a lot of live streams on Instagram. Awesome. Yeah. Talking with 
cast members talking with gays against guns and pink pistols. I'm slowly getting that ready, but I'm also going to post a lot of outtakes that didn't make it into the movie that I'm just, oh, I got to get those outtakes. You know, I have some real favorites that I had to part with. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep loading up the, and then we're going to look at how we can do this policy change, how we yeah. can disarm. What it's look like. Yeah. Yep. What does the future look like with disarm hate and um, where we're going? So you follow that Facebook and IG page and we will keep updating it, but um, there'll be lots of cool stuff coming. We would love the feedback of this movie. We've, we've had some really great reviews, but I would like to keep this conversation going. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, anything else we missed that you want, would like to discuss? No, but please watch the film and uh, follow the movement. And please send us your thoughts, your um, reviews, anything. We want to connect with the community and we want to do this together. I mean, that's Absolutely. basically the point. I can't do this without you. Yeah, definitely. And, and no hate letters, guys. We're better than that. <laughs> so, constructive criticism or disagreements only, please. Um, no, I don't need to tell these people that, I don't think. Also, Elizabeth, um, they're going to be doing in Pennsylvania Pink Pistols, Allison Barnhart, who we met in the movie. Yeah. She organized an event where they're going to have a movie night with the film. So I encourage people to contact me if you're going to do an event with the film, if you're going to do a screening, I would love to know. I'd love to be a part of that. Absolutely. Ooh, good idea. Good idea. Thanks once again to our guest, Juliana Brudek, the director of the film Disarm Hate, for joining us. Disarm Hate is currently streaming on where, Juliana? Amazon, Voodoo, Fandango Now, uh, In Demand, Comcast, and Cox, um, Microsoft Store, Google Play. All those places, you should be able to find this pretty easily. It's a really great film. I really encourage everybody to watch it, no matter where you fall on the, the issue. Um, had a great discussion here today. Remember, there's a whole BiPlus universe ready to embrace you. Reach out and find your community.